first you got to see what you want, accept this is what you want, and then rehearse it as the most playful moment when you are playing with with G.I. Joes or with Barbie dolls or Oh, remember the kitchenette set that we got? And then the fake food that looks so real. Oh, I made mud pies that look so real. And then I made a mistake in eating my mud pie. And I realized that, ooh, well, dirt didn't taste very good. And making a mistake. And then realize that, well, you could still make the dirt pie. Then that's when I got older. And then I became a really great chef. And now I make really great desserts. But you got to have fun. You got to have fun doing it inside your nervous system because that's what you have to rewire that response. And you got to plan the moment when you're going to have a twitch and then know that it's lying to you. Your nervous system is lying to you. It lies to you often. You want to transform yourself and improve your life. You long to help people. You wish to become healthier, happier, and more successful. This show is your opportunity to learn how to use hypnosis to make your life better. Each week, hypnotist Robbie Spear Miller interviews people who have already changed their lives in amazing ways with hypnosis. These models can help you discover your path to making the most of your life. If you want to learn how hypnosis can help you reach your goals, this show is for you. Hello, everybody. I'm Robbie Spear Miller, the host for the Hypnosis Show podcast. Um, today, I'm really excited to be exploring the topic of, of when we have a fear of success or a fear of failure, or sometimes we have guilt about being successful or pressures from the people around us. Um, and so today, we're meeting with Rose Hung Klein. She's a hypnosis trainer and therapist, and she's been inspired to help people change for over 20 years now. She's the owner of Southeast Hypnosis in Houston, Texas, and a trainer for the Master Hypnotist Society. I've invited her to, to explore this topic with us because I know she's had some of the, the, these types of challenges herself. And so I think that her experiences can give us a lot of insight into how we can uh, really focus on what we want and be free to get it. So welcome, Rose. I'm excited and nervous at the same time. She's <laughs> oh like a butterfly in my stomach. Awesome. So why don't you just start by helping people get to know you a little bit and, and tell them about what got you interested in hypnosis and what did you first use hypnosis to help yourself with? I came in, I still remember that fateful day, maybe seven years ago, where I was getting um, my CEU, it's a continuing education, for a licensed professional counselor, and that was with Julie, and then Heather was there, and I didn't realize it, that, anyway, and uh, and then, of course, Scott was there, and uh, Scott was the lean, and I was like, oh my gosh. One of the moments was, was when um, I believe Julie did an induction. I didn't know what the hell it was at that moment, but it was an induction now. And then I was like, oh, my God, I am so, I'm so impressed. I am so impressed. And, and then when Scott the induction about the weight loss, that was like, oh, amazing. So then back then, I didn't really, I knew I needed to lose weight. But in my head, you know, your map's not to territory. In my head, I thought I was a size two, but oh, no, 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 no. I was 190 pounds back then. All right. And I needed to lose some weight. And then, so just to make a long story short, I was like so into it. I was so into Scott because he has this way about him. Oh, my gosh. And then 
And for lunch, I remember, because it was this nice waiter that came in. To, it was at the hotel, and one by one by one, got our, our, uh, our what we wanted. So I ordered a burger. And then first he asked me, this fine guy, he was an Hispanic guy with dark hair, I still remember him. He goes, now, Rose, do you want french fries or do you want a salad? And then I paused. Like a salad. Salad is much better for me. So from that point on, it was amazing. And then another one I remembered was this when that evening we were going to, uh, I, I wanted, because we had a free stage hypnosis, right? It was Scott. So then I was so mesmerized by this guy who, who could get people to just quack like a duck. And I wanted to be like him. So that's how I started, really. Yeah, so that if from the get and the go, it was like if Scott got me to eat a salad because I had a french fries instead, that was like, wow, amazing, you know. So that's how Scott got started. Yeah. All right. Great. And so you were training with Julie. And for people to know, Julie and Heather and Scott are all trainers with the Master Hypnotist Society. And Scott is the head of Master Hypnotist Society. So your first experience was having that really magical classroom experience and yeah. discovering what was possible because you saw yourself changing because of that. Yeah, and and, and I, I didn't realize how much of Myself, I needed to fix mm-hmm. at that moment. Um, not the, the, the amount I had to fix into what my many fears that I have uh, was stacked and decked. I didn't realize it. Coming, I mean, coming from, um, I mean, I, I was this, a clinical smartass who thought that I didn't have to level ever again, meaning... I, I had this very childlike uh, thing about life. Life should all be roses. And I don't ever have to do a firewalk of change. It's just me. Done to you, done to you, done to you. You do. You, I don't have to do anything. Anyway, so uh, I, I didn't realize the amount of uh, pressure I really put on myself. If, if I had to go back in time, I'll probably tell that passed me. You're doing things just right. Just hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. Be patient and be kind. Patient and kind to yourself is the answer. Yeah. And so as you grew into this, so eventually you actually took over Julie's clinic in Houston, mm-hmm. Southeast Hypnosis, right. and you became a hypnotist yourself and a trainer. But when you were at that first training, you were already a therapist. Is that right? Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's correct. So you were helping people full time. This It was your profession to do that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really interesting to see how different this was for you than that type of training, because you were already in the business of helping people improve their lives. Mm-hmm. And yet you thought it should be done to you or that there was nothing you needed to change. Yeah, it, it, and it, it was also not looking back. I, I didn't see my years of being a counselor as a success. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, when I, well, well, I had to work about a hundred hours a week in order to make eighty eighty two. What was it? Eighty to eighty nine ninety k in a year. Mm-hmm. And then when I look back, because I was training a lot of papers, and then I look back now and I go, wow. I, I remember that me there thinking, 
I was a failure because I was the pressure to be perfect. Where, where you know, the uh, suggestion is you get in the habit of looking in the mirror and then see what you're good at and what you need to do more of. Well, I looked at it sort of like Santa Claus. Well, I was the evil Santa Claus and I was making a list of what I did wrong and never what I did well. And and then by going back and I was, because I had to get rid of a lot of paper. I, I'm a people hoarder. And then shredding it, looking back, I was thinking, wow, you really succeeded here. And uh, it was, oh, I don't know. So I had these moments when I was going back, I was thinking, I can't believe I was such a nanny gun pooper. No. Uh-huh. So even though you were succeeding and doing great, you thought that you were failing at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, a, it's a bad habit, right? So, so which means then uh, it was like knowing is half the battle, mm-hmm. you know, knowing what you're doing, consciously what you're doing. And then there'll be a moment when you have your hand in the cookie jar. Uh, there'll be a moment where go ahead for about one second, have your hissy fit, have your temper tantrum. Be a kid in diapers. Uh, and then, then you're going to realize, this is sort of like what Scott was said, this is that I thought that I was drowning in three feet of water and all I had to do was stand up. One of the moments is, is that when I watched the, the Prince's Bride, uh, the pirate, what's his name? Uh, I'm so bad with names. Uh, the I, I, pirate I Robert. Mm-hmm. And then when he got, he got, he said, he said, well, I've been in the revenge business for so long. And he didn't know what the hell he needed to do with himself. And I, and I goes, oh my gosh, I was in the revenge business for so long. And then I had the leftover feeling like your hand is in the cookie jar. And I didn't know what it to do. Because I was just, that's what I'll tell you, this is that uh, don't wander aimlessly in the earth to figure out, okay. Am I going to be okay? Yes, you are fine. You're fine. You're making a change. Don't overthink it because then you're, uh, you're going to go backwards. Just keep going. Just keep going. Don't overthink it. Just keep going. Uh, it's, it's normal to have that handy little cookie jar. Well, don't go whammer that hand. Just go easy going. Make mm-hmm. think of it as in a carmelax way, float above, and think of like a child at play. I think of that moment when when I was in in Lufkin, Texas, and then in St. Mary's, uh, my dad thought this is coming from Vietnam, fresh off the boat. We thought that uh, he thought that the best schools were always going to be in private school, but then he. Uh, the parishioners at St. Mary's Catholic Church said, not necessarily. You can't afford private school. Public school is fine. I don't remember uh, how long I was in private school at St. Mary's Catholic Church. But I remember this story, though, is this is that what I want people to just chase the success like a child at play. I remember going the hula hoop. And at first, this it was this cute boy. I just remember he was really cute. And I thought he was really cute. Either way. So then he taught me how to do the hula hoop. 
And uh, after school, I, I don't remember, but I just, this, which is the part, I remember this. Uh, he wanted me to then, because he had faith in my ability. He had faith because I was working really hard. I didn't have the faith in myself. And he knew that. This young boy knew that. And he wanted me to go in and then we were play the competition. Who's going to hula hoop longest? So then at first, I lost. He goes, we need to practice more. And I remember how we practiced. We just practiced. It just hula hoop, hula hoop, hula hoop. And then I got better than he did. And I last longer than he did. And then, then after that point, then I hula hoop longer and I won all, all, all of it and all the games and all this other stuff. And then, um, that must have been that I, and then after that, I just wish that I could, you could use your imagination and have fun chasing like a kid at play. Because then when you're like having really, really, really fun, then you don't overthink. When you overthink, you do this thinking, thinking. And then you just got to just let it loose and enjoy the ride. Mm. Yeah, awesome. That's a great story and a great way to frame this, a great metaphor. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how I, I, I know you and I have talked about this in the past, that um, when you were growing up, you, were, you, you felt guilty for being successful and there was pressure on you to pretend that you weren't as successful or not to be successful. And, and talk about how that kind of played a number on you as you were building your career. It, it, it's, it was just the, uh, it was the constant replay in my nervous system, the ghost of Christmas past. I, 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 I just wanted to say, think of it as uh, that uh, metaphorical story is, 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 is that your, your nervous system, at least mine, when I'm about to succeed, it's going to trigger this response of uh, Edgar Burnett, crime of existence. I shouldn't, when, um, when I finally gelled into that, first I, now first I was a nitpicker who, uh, who's like a psychoanalysis, duh, and then a doctor who's just like hammer things away. I even hammer that one away. I was unbelievable about the crime of existence. When I gelled into it, it's sort of like I accepted it and said, oh, this is, this makes perfect sense. So that then I was just wired probably from birth from a third world country where Mama probably gave birth to me in a very stressful way, because I don't know, it must be a very stressful way. Then leaving Vietnam was very stressful. Because then, although we left, I think, a month before, in February of oh, 74, 75, or something like that, um, and I was just a kid. I was either three, four years old. So then my head was in her chest, my, my sister's chest. So I heard the sound of war. And then I still remember to this day a vague nightmare I had since I was a baby. And uh, it was a roller coaster. And then the sky was really red. And I would get scared of just a pop, a firecracker, and a balloon. And then when the first moment when I knew hypnosis helped me, when I can slow down and realize is that, oh, my nervous system regressed to when I was in fourth grade. No, I'm sorry, four years old, four years old. 
and and then um, that the map inside my head I thought was always the territory, but it's not. It's like a fairy cuckoo delusional nightmare on Elm Street. And then when I realized this, oh, I just said, slow down. Like I was able to do a fashion walk, uh, just going out there having extreme performance anxiety, just doing it. And after that, watching the fireworks, it was a really great anchor of, uh, of success, of trying and doing. And um, so that when, when your nervous system goes back, it, it, it does do a lot of regression. But you got to know when it's lying to you and know what you need to do in order to get rid of the pain. Uh, when I started doing some setups, one of the first thought I had driving here to the office a few months ago, this is like during COVID, that I go, oh my gosh, I'm dying. I am dying. I'm dying of food poison. My stomach's going to die because my stomach did die at that moment when I was a kid in third grade. And then again, when I was 15, it stopped functioning. So of course, duh. It's like you go easy going. You mean your your nervous system has these patterns that doesn't make sense. So then when then then float above. So then the first thought I had was, okay, well that uh I was dying of food poison. I was gonna vomit and do all this other stuff. I'm gonna have to cancel all the appointment. And then then and then then I want you guys to imagine that there's a mirror, and then in the morning, then Remind yourself in the voice in your head, what do you want? What do you need? And what are you good at? So then the second voice came in and go, well, you've been for the last month, you've been, you got to a setups, you did 25, whatever amount it was, and your stomach hurts because this is a muscle pain. And then for, then I realized at that moment that I shouldn't succumb to my first thought but probably my second or my third thought is more meaningful that the first thought is a delusional Freddy Krueger nightmare, most likely. Then I have to go look outside of myself to say, okay, then what's real and what's not? And what then after that, what do you need to do to get rid of that pain? Mm. So, so what you're saying is that you started to be able to ha- to float up above it, have some perspective, and get curious about what was really happening, so you could separate these old memories that were being held in your body, or the old stories you had from what was actually happening in the moment. Yeah, and and then a, a, a lot a lot of that ghost of Christmas past is stored in a uh, an emotional response. Mm-hmm. That was it. Uh, just an emotional response. That's it. You used to believe your feelings. You used to believe, oh my God, I'm having this pain. This must be happening again. And then you would play out that story. And now you have perspective so you can choose what you do in response to reality. Is that? Right. Yeah. So then, then the, right. So that, that is sort of, sort of like, see what you're doing well. See see it and and then 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 hear your voice go kind and more gentle to yourself mm-hmm. and so when you make a correction action then just rehearse it and then now then rehearse it kind and gentle inside of you because then 
that's where the magic needs to happen, like a kid at play, mm-hmm. like playing hula hoop and then learning how to do it. And then also during the multiplication, we, we back then, the, the, uh, that was in the 80s, 70s, 80s, the 80s. Uh, one of my third grade teacher before I got sick and then went to the hospital, uh, she would play the multiplication game and who would go fastest all the way around. And she'd get the card out. I, I would practice it. And then and then after a while, at first, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't the fastest and I didn't win. I wanted to win over this guy. I was really ambitious. I want to win over this guy. And and now I have a goal, so I wanted to win. And then I wanted to beat this guy. And then I wanted to sit right there in the front next to the teacher. That was my goal. I didn't want a prize. I didn't want any of that. I wanted to beat this guy because he was really good and, and he was fast. He knew his multiplication. And I would sit right where he was sitting because that was the front row. Because that was my prize. So then now there, I got a goal and I want you guys to see that, right? So then what did you have to do? Think backwards. So then I thought backwards back then. I go, okay, what do I need to do? So then I went for all the multiplication, write it down, then ask my uh, ask my sister and my brother to pop quiz me with their flashcards. And then um, after, I don't know how many tries, maybe the third time, uh, I beat him consistently, and there was a there was a cute competition between me and him, where I got his seat. I knew that he wanted his seat back, and I was going to keep my seat. And yeah, I, I, but then when we were a kid, didn't you know how to cursive? It took some time, and then when we did cursive, it took some time. And yet, you got to see that this is what you want to do, and then accept how you are made and how you're wired. It's sort of like you got to accept this is the goal that you want and you're going to do it no matter what. So like in that example, it wasn't a trophy. We weren't going to get a trophy. And there was this this treasure test of stuff. I didn't want that. She wanted me to have one of that. I told her I didn't really want any of that. Just her saying that I beat him was enough. And that, and that if the more I did it, then afterwards she goes, you sit right here. I said, okay. Then the pressure was on for me to stay in that seat. I didn't know who was going to want to get it back. And it was just having fun doing it, guys. It's make it easy and then develop that belief system. So you, you found that that playful mood was what made you free. It freed you up to go and just decide what you wanted and be willing to rehearse or take the steps and then get it. Yeah, and then and you had to be persistent. Mm-hmm. But notice I, I didn't really get everything the first time. It's either the third and then, but when you get it, you really, really do get it. Yet here's the kicker. You got to get in there. Is this, 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 is that, uh, Maturity, at least as an adult person, you got to do the master of that redundancy and then have a great relationship with a mistake of failure. Because it's, uh, if we were to keep that childhood playful moments, um, like we play dress up or Barbie, 
that's where the best place that we adults can learn and keep that learning. And it's that playful moment where I want to just, if, if they want to come out with anything today in, in my talk, it's just that first you got to see what you want, accept this is what you want, and then rehearse it as the most playful moment when you are playing with, with G.I. Joes or with Barbie dolls or, oh, remember the kitchenette set that we got and then the fake food that looks so real? Oh, I made mud pies that look so real and then I made a mistake in eating my mud pie and I realized that, ooh, well, dirt didn't taste very good and <laughs> making a mistake and then realized, well, you could still make the dirt pie then that's when I got older and then I became a really great chef and now I make really great desserts. But you got to have fun. You got to have fun doing it inside your nervous system because that's what you have to rewire that response. And you got to plan the moment when you're going to have a twitch mm-hmm. and then know that it's lying to you. Your nervous system is lying to you. It lies to you often. Yeah. I love it, Rose. Those are so many great stories and ways of looking at this. And so you were really, this is an NLP, it's called changing submodalities, where when you were imagining if you had that old moment floating up above it, seeing it from above with perspective, and then you turn the voice of your your conscience down so it was gentle with you. And I'm imagining as you were describing it that when you said like, go easy on yourself, that your muscles were probably looser in your body. That's right. So you were on purpose choosing to shift your mood to that and then becoming playful, which gave you a lot more resources to handle things. That's right. When when you, when you then, uh, your mind will work clearly and logically when you are having a great relationship with a voice of nothing inside your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that easy. Yeah. Great. So when we look at all the training you had before you learned this, that you were a trained counselor and therapist, you were helping people and very successful at it at the time. And this was all new to you. Um, Share with people a little bit about the kinds of ways you used to sabotage yourself. I know that's totally over now, but there was a time when, and you weren't even aware of it, but there was a time when you would would limit yourself and not do, like when you talked about doing that, uh, that competition with the boy at school, you were totally capable of doing it or capable of doing the hula hoop. But there were times where even if you were capable, you chose to... Um, shoot yourself in the foot about things. And so yeah, yeah. I think it would be helpful for people to hear some examples because they might be struggling with the, some similar things. You can't copy what you envy. I used to really get jealous, anger, just batshit crazy over successful, successful people. Uh, I still have this weird thing on certain females and females. I really do. It, it, it's, it's, it's a weird, weird, weird thing. And it's a weird anchor that I have with my mom and my family of origin. Um, if you envy successful people, then you're going to go broke. Right? So, which means when I first got the company, and then which is Southeast Hypnosis, I thought I was always, always going to be broke. Uh, and I, I was always, I was chasing um, the displeasure of failure more than success. Um, being 
trying to climb out of the financial rabbit hole that I created. Uh, things were just easy when I first, thinking back, I mean, I got all the decks of cards, right? But what wasn't there was uh, I didn't think I had to work out. I thought I was perfect. Uh, I thought that I was already fairy godmother. Uh, I thought that I was ready to Steve Jobs. And, uh, but that wasn't the case. When you have to just face yourself, the ugliness of, of, of all of that bad habit. And that, if that makes sense, it was that battle of, okay, ooh, God, Rose, you're ugly. You're ugly and you're mean. And, and you're letting yourself down. And, but everything was there in place. And it was me that sabotaged it. You know, um, of course, you could tell us it's like I would rather not recant that moment because it was very, it was very, 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 very painful. Painful Thank God, me. Thank God it's over. Whew. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you just have to push it back. Uh, but it's it it was it was a very it was a learning experience. You you have to go through the painful walk. So that you can then see yourself do the walk, but not just the trash talk. I was doing a lot of trash talking. And then um, the team, Scott and the team, called me up on my trash talking and held me accountable. Uh, held me accountable to, uh, to pay my own rent at, at the office. Uh, to plan and carry it out. So but in the past, you always, if things weren't working out, you thought, well, there's nothing wrong with me. It must be the other people or the situation. And so right. you or, would- or, or when, when I knew it was something wrong with me, I would go to when I was in third grade at the hospital, fairy godmother land, the make-believe. Mm-hmm. I'll, I would tell a story uh, uh, because it was painful and I had, all these equipments all over my body. And I was in bed for close to a month or two. Walking was really miserable. I remember that. Walking was horrible after you being in bed for about a month or two. Uh, and then it, it, it was that same experience being paralyzed in the same way when I started this business learning this whole new hypnosis all over, learning how to help clients change, get the testimonies in this way versus the clinical way. And it was, um, that's the best way I can explain it. This is that I felt like I was in third grade and uh, my stomach failed out of cysts and I had thousands of everything around me and, and I couldn't walk or breathe. So then I had to just make up a story and unfortunately, my story didn't match my action, right? And um, it was a complete mismatch. But then it was safer to go to make-believe land. And I was zoned out. And I know that I've done or said things that just like, it was like, oh, gosh, I, I don't like it. I'm heartbroken by it. I, I don't really honestly remember, really. It's just because... Back in third grade, that's what I learned how to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and at that time, when you were going through those health problems, 
it wasn't really in your control. It, it was happening to you. Yeah, and, and then, but then back then in third grade, I wanted that control and I wanted it all gone. And then it was that nobody could save me. So then I saw my parents as their true self, not as Santa Claus. And, and I wanted my parents to remain Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And then you have this huge disillusionment. Yeah, and, and, then, and then having to then to grow up so that uh, I'm putting the two analogies together as best I can explain when I got the, uh, the business again. And it was, it was really a painful trip because the two was just circled and meshed together just like this. And I didn't know which one or the other. And, but <laughs> knowing now, I know is this knowing is this now, you do something about it now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you thought that your parents up until that moment, they were the ones who took care of you. But when you were going through those health problems, they couldn't do it. And as a kid, it's scary to realize, oh my God, my parents can't even fix this. They can't really help me. And so you had the same thing over again. Yeah. So which means, doesn't it make sense why I, I have this uh, delusional thinking that somebody was going to save me? Mm-hmm. That, that somebody, there would be a hero. There would be somebody in shining armor. Uh, there is a monetary, especially for Rose. That started in third grade. That started in third grade. And it was it's hilarious how when you're like 52, there's still a little bit of that little make-believe in there. Uh, it, but it, that's how it all started. And then it's just sort of like this hot, spicy stew that just put some coconut milk in there and then you can just cool it down a little bit and it won't be so spicy. But just throw it away, basically, if it's too spicy soup. Just, just throw it away. Start all over again. You yeah. don't have to do that. Yeah, and you know, your so. fantasy world is great as long as you're using it to help you. But the, the thing that was missing was that there was no sense of agency in you to, to do something. You were waiting for somebody to do it for you. Right, right. And and then and 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 that was that place that got me stuck. Was this is that I, I, I knew that mom and dad couldn't do anything. It was up to the doctor. And it was that my, the doctor would say that, uh, that your body was healed. Mm-hmm. But then I wanted, I was never patient with a healing step. I was always too, the pressure was way too much on. Even, even probably even prior to being third grade. Probably as 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 it was born, the pressure was way too too much. Uh, uh, was to succeed or to do it better or to exist. The pressure was always to survive and to exist. And then so then, when when my stomach started failing, my stomach and your abdomen. Imagine that a uh, third grade, about eighty pounds, maybe sixty pounds. That I had this red rash around my stomach, and then. The, the doctor told me, because if I got it right, it's the stomach start working. When it, when it fades away, we will know that it worked again. Okay, so I was so impatient. I want to accelerate health, you know, healing. So this is what I do. So I rubbed it 
I rubbed the yellow thing, the, the red thing away, and I rubbed it, I rubbed it, I rubbed it, because there's nothing else I needed to do. I was sitting the board out of my mind, so I would rub it, rub it, rub it. And then when the doctor came, it goes, ah, oh, ah, oh, that red thing is gone. Your stomach should be working, but it's not working. And I go, ooh. I go, ooh. The other little kid go, ooh. Maybe I keep rubbing it, we'll still keep working. We'll keep working it just to keep on working. I did want to admit that, um, I did want to tell the doctor that I've been rubbing my belly. And then one of the doctor goes in and goes, did you rub your belly and get the thing away? I said, yes. I said, that's why it's not working. And then when when he he mentioned it, I go, yes. Uh, and then when I go, yes, there was that scrutiny. Instead of going, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's when I learned how to manipulate and read people so get the monkey off the back. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't, so you didn't feel safe admitting that because he was scornful of you. Instead I, I, he wasn't. He was. Yeah, I, that's what I thought. But in, yeah. in, I ever suspect I was more scornful of myself. You felt self-conscious because he found out. Yeah, and then. Um, because I wanted to get well so fast. Mm-hmm. I wasn't patient through the recovery process because I just got surgery. Mm-hmm. And it's a normal thing where uh, your stomach is going to take some time to recuperate. The doctors, the nurses, I remember endlessly. This is how I took their, their education. Charlie Brown. I was the parent. And and I, I didn't want to hear or mind them because I was thinking, F you. <laughs> this is painful. You expect me to learn something where there's something is I have tubes everywhere. And I was thinking, really? And, and so anyway, so then that's sometimes if if it's tell that story, it's just, it's that has been I've been having a stubborn streak since then because then it's sort of like back then I was thinking, really, I, I can't believe you're telling me something so technical and you expect a kid with all of this to get what you're saying. And no one knew that. And, and no one saw that. And they kept on they kept on educating. And then this one doctor went in and then he goes, he goes uh, if I remembered it right, uh, he goes, said, he knew I was lying. And it was my physical therapist that got me to walk. That little thing that you, you inhale, that little, that little ball that goes up. Mm-hmm. And he was my physical therapist. And then he was also my respiratory therapist. And then that was one I mean, he was a great coach because he 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 demanded that I get out of the hospital bed and he wanted me to go home. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, him saying this to me or one of the doctors. I figured it was him because uh, he goes, the old man next door wanted to tell you this. Mind your business. You get better. He's leaving and he wants you to leave. And he said, he sounded like a crabby old man. Mind your business. You get better. I'm older than you. And he was like, what the hell? You know, and then so then uh, I was using all sorts of excuse. And then that's what gets you stuck. 
And so I'm saying this is sort of like when you're about to succeed and you're thinking that nothing's going right, it's a, I just want you to think it's, this is that it's going back and replaying that moment, uh, the worst moment you might have, might end up being around third grade. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then so that analogy makes sense why everything was just a disaster at Southeast Hypnosis for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, when you I were hope I'm making sense. Yeah, well, when you were a kid in that situation, that physical therapist gave you tough love and there was pressure on and he could physically get you to do it. As an adult, it's a lot easier to get away with things. Mm-hmm. And then, so then he, uh, as that analogy, is is that Scott and the team is the physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And um, so then, because he, then the, the physical therapist got me out of bed. And then when he said that story, I remember some like, mind your own business. The old man want you to mind your own business. And then you take, you got to get yourself out of this hospital bed. He's, he was saying that uh, you're younger and you're still in the hospital and he's leaving and he's embarrassed for you kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. So, which means I don't even know if the old man will really say that or not. And um, but that's not the mute point, but he intensified that pain enough because that I was doing a lot of woe is me in that hospital. And then I should have recovered quicker, but that's why I was in bed for so damn long because it all I could just chase was just the pain instead of what people... Uh, who experience grief or traumatic events, they are looking at, okay, let's go home. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see beyond what you were. At, at one moment, I couldn't. It, not until the physical therapist said, mind your own business. You get better. The old man left. He's better now. You're still here. And how old are you? And how old is, how old is this old man? And so, I don't know, but he's da, da, da. You're da, da, da. In a way. And then, and then, uh, He got me out of bed. So it was the hula hoop competition all over again. And and then, yeah, so he got me to be that competitive edge. (laughs) Right. That is right. So which means that, so then he goes, so how quick can you get home? And then when he goes, and then when I thought of home, I thought of having a home cooked meal because I was, I told her I'm tired of American food. You guys, your food tastes terrible. And he goes, said, if you go home, what would your mother make? She's, it's called uh, Dao, which is uh, she actually, my mother, will make it for me. take her 12 hours to do it with a whole bunch of ginger. And it's, uh, that's how she expressed love at that moment. It's with food. And I'm appreciative of that. Uh, so then, so that's how I, he got me home. <laughs> so then I was looking to go home and to have, Great food. And the first one my mother made was actually Dao because this is what I wanted, which is a chicken, a rice chicken noodles, rice chicken soup, rice. And then, uh, so that's, that's how he got me home. So then how did he got me to get out of bed after waddling itself pity for maybe two months, probably a longer, which is that 
uh, there was a concert. All right. And then the day before, he was a great hypnotist, this physical therapist. So he goes, wouldn't it be great you got out of bed and there'd be a concert that you can walk to the window so you can see what's going on? Because there might be a concert. So I go, would there be a concert? So I started imagining a concert. So the next day I go, oh, God, there's a concert. And then I, he, goes, and he was there. I said, so where's the concert? He goes, well, walk to the window because there's a little couch there to find out. And it goes, so uh, I got a hole in my ball. Go in there. Walk. Oh, God. And I was like, I, was, I felt like an 80 year old woman just out of breath and it hurts. And it was just walking each step. He goes, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, hooray. I finally got there. And I goes, so where are they? He goes, oh, on top of the roof. <laughs> and women, but I, I enjoyed what I did. Well, I enjoyed the uh, watching the people living their life in the sun. When I looked down, and that was in Galveston. So then, people have people in Galveston love the outdoors, and I just even though the hospital is a sad place. Outside the hospital, I saw was a lot of people living life with sunshine and joy. And that you could step out of the hospital. And then if only if I stepped out the hospital this way, which is, is that uh, you're going to always have to manage this health with your stomach. And you keep the joy. Just manage it and keep the joy. It's like everybody else. But yet when I left the hospital, I left the hospital with this unique, uh, special, because I'm the only one who has the disease of uh, the blah, 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 blah. Does that make sense? So, so that mm-hmm. uh, when you're thinking you're special, you have a special disease of the, uh, the worry doll and, only you have this special disease. And and then when I came home, oh, did I really knew how to play it. I would go, ugh, and then I don't have to do anything. Uh, I would get a dress, go, ugh, then I will get a dress. Oh, and then my brother, my brother wanted me to learn how to ride a bike. I felt bad about this one, actually. I didn't go, ugh. So I got away with not running out of bike. But he he gave up because mom and dad put the pressure on him. Stop te- telling him you need to stop teaching your sister how to ride a bike because she's been through too, too much and uh, blah, 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 blah. So which means throughout the ride of my life, I I I learned how really, which is uh Manipulate people. You do it for me. I don't have to do anything. I always enjoy you doing things for me. But I knew that it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And it also got in your own way. So you were an expert manipulator and you knew how to, to play the system. But in the end, it actually got, it hurt you. You didn't achieve as much as you could have. Yeah, and, and then, yeah, so that it was just like facing a crossroad of then, of uh, it's like admitting and owning your habit, your bad habit. Mm-hmm. 
to, it, 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 if this makes sense, to get to a positive change, to a good habit, you have to admit and see and accept this is your bad habit. N- not in like, oh, woe is me, or, uh, but just a, like an even Steven kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, like, I can now just sort of laugh about it instead, and then, or a tear will come up. I can laugh about it now. Whereas if there's a f- either a faint moment of just sadness, it's just a faint moment. And then, but then it's more laughing about it and making a joke out of it so that uh, people can learn from my story and then they can do it better. Yeah, that's a great story, Rose. I've never heard this story before, but I love it. And I think it really illustrates how this unfolds. I bet a lot of people who are listening can relate. I sure have done things like this in my life, so I I get it. And uh, yeah, I think it's really just interesting to see how it plays out. So if if you never had that accountability in place, and when you got Southeast Hypnosis and then you built it up and you really you stepped up to the plate and you did what you need to do, then you were able to do it about possibility, right? Just like when you got out of that bed to go see the concert or to have the Tao soup, it was about possibility and what you wanted right. and joy. And so that as you're going towards that and imagining those possibilities, it's easier for you to, to take action. That's right. Yeah. So do you find that now that you know these patterns and you know how to work it, you can do it in smaller ways where you might not be necessarily in as much pain or maybe the reward isn't as big, but that you can help yourself stay focused because you know how to interact with situations better. Right, right. And, and it's, it's, it's uh, learning, learning the, the power for good with good intentions. It's just what's going to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. It's just as that uh, the things you want to do. What is the intention? What's the outcome? What it's at? Uh, what do you want to get out of it? And what do you want to get out of someone else? So that uh, as easy and simple that it is, it is. It wasn't really in the past. It is easier now, where I can then um, focus on that dovetail outcome, where it was hard because of what was. Of that that goes to Christmas past, and and I needed uh, again that story of the physical therapist, which is which is Scott and the team, which is then came in to say, okay, I expect you to do this, kind of that gentle nudge, and then with the amount of manipulation I did, then it was t- him teaching me and you guys teaching me is that that. I got to do it. And that, uh, and that was been the learning all along, which means if you have to succeed, you got to do the action to do it. You got to do it. Not the North Star, not Timbuktu, uh, not some make-believe teddy bear. Uh, you got to do it. And, and then, um, then you got to plan a mistake. You're going to make one. And then um, strategize and plan it, do it, and have a great relationship with a mistake. Not thinking 
that you're never going to make one because we're all going to make mistakes. And then it's going to be a great way to learn to do it differently. Mm-hmm. So you get to benefit from the results you put into it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so in a big picture way, what happened for you was that it was like, there was this little hole in your development that said, I need people to rescue me. And if they do, then I know I'm safe. That was the subconscious drive to keep that. That's right. And you learned how to shift that to, I keep myself safe because I decide what I want and I take action and make it fun, like hula hooping and that you're willing to rehearse. That's right. And then then that uh, you got to rehearse success that way. And then the the thing about fear of failure, like when you said you plan to do something and and make a mistake and that that could be okay and it could be fun and you can learn from it, was that when the pressure was on you to be successful, when you thought it was your responsibility, when you were a kid, you imagined that if you didn't pull through, then you were not worthy or that you weren't good enough or something along those lines. And so actually, if if I didn't pull through, it, it was uh, that uh, I was going to die. Uh-huh. It, it was, uh, it, you know, get how you always work on a positive intention. Uh, when I get to that, to that, uh, that, that place, it's, uh, I, I will, will, will make a list of what I'm great at and that what uh, is worth going and that uh, I'm healthy and um, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. And because then there there will be that moment where my nervous system will create the crime of existence. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It sure does. And, and, and then and then because then I'm worth the effort to put into, and then I plan to negate that crime of existence by eating right, getting healthier walking, a lot of physical activity, planning my day. I, I plan the weekend a lot better now and staying busy because an idle body is a messed up head. <laughs> it's a trash talk. An idle body, a lazy body ends up going to be a, a stinking thinking, a mess up head, that Fergus Kugel nightmare. Uh, I, I was done with that. I was completely done with it. And, um, I, I do plan it where I stay busy and my, and Aaron, my husband, stays busy, and because then that was the weekend where we spend more time together. And because then I just do it now instead of thinking about it, I just do it, and then staying busy and planning like uh, things that we can do uh, as a family. It's just you gotta. It's like staying busy. Yeah, you're choosing to live and to be in real in the real world and out of your head. And so you you've learned what will help you more and you're using hypnosis and NLP to help you use your senses and get your emotions on board and then rehearsing the actions over and over so that you can get a different result. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you rehearse it, you have to rehearse it in like that moment before you fall asleep. Mm-hmm. When when you want to just sunbathe in a nice tropical, your f- private island and can hear the seagulls and the temperature's just right 
and the cloud is the bluest cloud you've ever seen. And then it's just it's that your your nervous system, your body is just, just really slow, way, 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 way down. Because when you worry, you just worry. When you plan things out, you've you got to stay at a, uh, a stress scale of a one. Mm-hmm. Or even a point zero five, just like that moment before you fall asleep. Because then, uh, you can only chase fun when you make it fun. And but then when you chase failure and scrutiny, is this when you worry? So which is that uh, for me it was getting my nervous system used to experiencing nothing mm-hmm. and being okay with nothing in the head and nothing in my body. Mm-hmm. And you had these experiences as a kid that were really are, were life and death experiences, which must have been pretty frightening for a child. So you needed to retrain yourself because you were, you were coming at everything from that view for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Either either at the third grade or or back when I was uh, either four years old. It's those two moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is great. Because then it was I wanted a home. I wanted people to love me. That it was not not so because then we had to leave. And it was just that was just a little babe. Mm-hmm. And I could see why. I got the health problems I did, actually, from leaving Vietnam up until that was at Jones Elementary in Orange, Texas, to where that moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, I went to fairy godmother land and all the stress compounded in and layered it and made the, uh, what was the cysts or whatever it was worse because I didn't know how to let go. Because mm-hmm. I thought that I had to be perfect. And then that uh, there was this way I was overwhelmed and I, I saw life as a, a series of just performance anxiety that I was scared to do anything. So then I'd rather just stay in fairy godmother land mm-hmm. or fairy tales. Yeah. Well, I love your imagination, Rose, and you have such great stories and imagery. And now you're learning how to use that to help yourself and other people with hypnosis, which is a great way to channel all of those amazing, fun abilities you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you. I hope that this helps people who might be in similar situations to know how to navigate and to change it for themselves. Um, Rose, go ahead and share with people how they can reach you if they want some help or more information about what you do. So they can check me out at the website. It's southeasthypnosis.com. Call me at 281-996-8000. Again, 281-996-8000. And then we can uh, help you with, with anything you may need. All right. Great. Thanks so much. And if people want to learn more about how you can learn more hypnosis to help you or other people, you can also go to hypnosistraininggcanada.com. We have some great free downloads for you there. And also, um, if you're ready, you can meet with me for a free consultation to see if 
this training is a good fit for you. So thanks again, Rose. This was a lot of fun. And I learned so much about you that I never knew before. And I think your stories will help people a lot. So I really appreciate you being here. If you want a quick, easy way to relieve stress, join us for next week's podcast where hypnotist and yoga instructor Shannon Kees-Suchevich will be teaching us how to do hypnobreath, a combination of yoga, breathing, and hypnosis. And if you're wanting to discover more about how hypnosis training can help you, go to hypnosistrainingcanada.com and schedule your free consultation. Remember to click the button subscribe, share this podcast with a friend, and please leave us a review so you can help others benefit from the podcast too. Until next week. You've been listening to The Hypnosis Show with Robbie Spear Miller. Tune in next time to learn more about how you can change your life with hypnosis. And if you are interested in learning more about training opportunities, go to hypnosistrainingcanada.com and schedule a free consultation.